Welcome to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Established in 2016, the Fintech Times is a global multimedia news outlet centered around the world's first leading fintech newspaper. We report on the latest and brightest ideas from the fintech world. Follow the conversation using hashtag TFD News and Views and follow us at, at the Fintech Times. Hello and welcome back to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. You might be detecting a bit of a lack of your favorite Welsh host this week. Uh, and that's because Polly is sadly not joining us. But me and Francis are here as usual to try and bring you the latest fintech news and discussions. So, Francis, how have you been? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> nice little intro there. First time. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a, a good week. It's been busy as per usual. Same old, but we've got a good variety of topics between the two of us today. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, you know, I feel like I've got to bring the energy. We're, li- we're missing Polly, so we've got to step up today and really, you know, keep ourselves to the same standards that we've been trying to hit uh, recently. But, uh, you know, with that in mind, what news are you bringing to the table this week? So today I'm going to be discussing how Amazon Web Services has embraced generative AI to help contact centers improve customer experiences. Fantastic. And I'm going to be discussing how the UK lending market might be failing the people most in need, uh, and all about ClearScore's core for change. Uh, so how about you go first this week? Yeah, sure. So like I said, this is all about generative AI. It's a, a hot topic in the in the fintech world right now. It has been for the last year. I mean, you'd be very hard pressed to find somebody that isn't at least thinking about AI right now in anywhere in the fintech industry, really. I think we hear about it Whichever way you turn, if you're looking in short tech, reg tech, pay tech, whatever subsector it is, AI is there one way or another. So this article comes from Amazon Web Services, and it's how they about how they've launched a number of new generative AI capabilities in Amazon Connect, its cloud contact center service, in an effort to help contact centers improve their services and enhance quality assurance. So included in the range of generative AI capabilities, Amazon Web Services is launching Amazon Q in Connect, which provides agents with recommended responses and actions based on real-time customer questions. It is also launching Amazon Connect Contact Lens, which adds AI-generated summaries of customer conversations for quality management purposes. Amazon Lex in Amazon Connect, which uses generative AI to make it easier to build build effective self-service experiences for customers. And lastly, Amazon Connect customer profiles, which aggregates customer data from popular software as a service applications. And some of the big names that are already using the service include NatWest, Neuroflash, Traeger Grills, and USAN. So Amazon Web Services has explained that generative AI offers an unprecedented opportunity for contact center leaders to redefine how they create and measure their customer experiences. And I think what I really wanted to discuss with you today, really, is kind of the pros and cons, I suppose, of turning towards generative AI, especially in a um, in a customer-facing role, if you will, especially from a contact center point, because I can't think of the amount of times that I've tried to get in contact with, it doesn't even always need to be a, a financial institution, but especially in financial institutions where you're trying to get a hold of someone to help you with, with something, whatever it might be, and you just get stuck in a loop of talking to a bot that says, have you tried looking at our frequently asked questions? You go, yes, I have. And they go, oh, okay, well, in that case, here's an article. And you're like, but I've already read this article. They say, oh, okay, so sorry, have you checked our frequently asked questions? And you get stuck in this loop. And it's an absolute nightmare. And I think 
while generative AI, you know, it, it theoretically it has the the potential to completely negate this process and identify immediately what a customer's issue is and and how to sort of overcome it. There are definitely pros and cons to it. So some of the pros that I identified were, like I said, it can potentially get answers quickly. And I think one of the notable things about, especially uh, I think it was Amazon Q in Connect, is that it provides agents with recommended responses and actions based on real-time customer questions. Notably sort of pointing out that it's not a customer is talking to AI, they're still talking to a human, the human is just assisted with AI. And I think that that is definitely a good thing. And like th- that is the second point, is that you're still talking to an agent. You're still having that human interaction, which I think is extremely important, especially in the financial sphere, to have you know, a face-to-face interaction. You're not talking to a robot. You're not talking to uh, sort of an enigma on the other side of the of the internet. You're talking to someone. And I think ultimately, I, th- I think it is, a, it is a good thing. It is a good thing. But there are also a few cons to it. And if AI misinterprets what you're trying to say, then it could lead to a lot of wasted time and bad customer experience. And that is how you lose customers. Is by wasting time and going around in that circle again. And will I also think another potential con of it is will agents get lazy? Will they rely too much on these AI prompts? And will that then cause them to, you know, not actually help consumers as much as they could have previously? So I think those were some good talking points. But I really wanted to see what you thought. Do you think it's more of a pro, more of a con? Or are you happy with Amazon Web Services and how they're integrating generative AI? Yeah, I thought this was quite an interesting story, actually, because obviously you made a good point, especially with AI chatbots. They normally, they can be helpful, but generally if you have a serious issue or something that you know needs a lot of detail explaining, they are often quite obviously limited when you're using these chatbots and you can realize that this isn't going to be able to help me and you're just trying to convince the AI to get you in touch with a real person. And in that sense, it can be a real slog to you know try and find a, a real like online agent to um, just give you support, basically. And what I quite liked about these sort of specific Amazon web services solutions is that they are seem a lot more focused on supporting agents to give the right advice, to speed up the process when you're talking to agents. Uh, and they're also focusing on you know customer personalization and getting the correct information to the individual customers. There was a, one of the solutions was surrounding sort of building chatbots. But I think ultimately, they're trying to provide the agents with more information to make the right or to be able to give the right advice. And I think that's definitely the right direction. Obviously, you know, if Amazon Web Services is, is introducing these, it is going to be quite a big thing. You know, obviously, you said that one of the customers is NatWest. When it comes to banking, you want the right information and you don't want to be led, you know, in the wrong path. And you, you don't want you know, bad advice to be given to you by AI. So in order to ensure that everyone is given the right advice when it comes to their banking, when it comes to their money, I think this route of just using AI to support human interactions has got to be the way to go. I think maybe one day we'll reach a point where AI chatbots will be far and away the best solution for everything. But nowadays, the chatbots that you know, we interact with probably on a daily basis now they're still not up to scratch in many cases and they need support from a human at some point in order to get you the help that you need. So yeah, I I think my real take on this story was 
they are approaching it in the way that I guess we would hope them, hope that they would. And, and hopefully this will, you know, spur, or spur a little bit more use of AI to support people rather than just going to, here's the AI chatbot, we'll support you with it. So yeah, I think it's ultimately it's it's a good, you know, enhancement. It's, it's a good step and direction that they're moving in. And hopefully we can see more of this in the future. Well, I think there's a, an interesting point there that you pointed out about how they are still making chatbots. And it's not to sort of say that chatbots are a bad thing. In some instances, they're exactly what you want, right? Sometimes you just want to get on the internet, find a solution, and, and you're sorted. In some instances, it really is that simple. And if the chatbots are being optimized to sort of learn and adapt and how to respond to customers in certain ways, then I think that is also a very, very big positive it's, it's a great change in in that regard but i just think as well it's kind of like you said it's so long as well at least in my opinion so long as agents aren't using the ai as a sort of a crutch and they are still ensuring that they're doing their trainings pro- properly and really staying up to date and making sure that the customer experience is the still the number one thing and if they think to themselves actually this the ai is sort of telling me to go down a different route i don't think that is the problem i think that sort of individual assessment is something that really needs to be highlighted to these uh, sort of contact centers but i think if that all goes ahead and, and works well then everything that amazon has done or it looks like they're doing at least you know creating the these backlogs of data to to analyze and to learn and to create these solutions that will then provide a better solution for the customer of course as time goes on these things should get more refined they should get better but it might just be a thing about the start it might be a little bit uncertain at points but all in all I, I think it is a great change and and like i said so long as it's not just used as a um a, as, a, as a straight straight up alternative to a to a customer agent then then i think that's it's a good thing yeah and i also think you know while, while we spoke about you know chatbots can be limited there is a something to be said i feel like for the fact that sometimes you can speak to a person at a contact center about whatever your issue is or whatever help you need and they can be just as unhelpful sometimes, you know, they, they are unable to give you the support that you need. And, you know, even though it's a bit easier to maybe convey the support that you require, sometimes they don't have the ability to action the things that you need that will help you. So AI should certainly help in those circumstances as well. And, and, and like you said, I think this is just a, a good step forward. And, and really just, as you said, AI will continue to learn from different you know, interactions that it has. And eventually, it seems like we're going to have some very good support from AI alone. And, you know, if we have a combination of that and AI supporting the human agents, then I think really the contact centers are only going to get more efficient and be able to give us more support. Well, personally, I don't know about you, but I don't really like the idea of it. it's like exclusive AI help. Uh, for me there's always uh, we've spoken about it before not in a while to be fair but we have spoken about the idea of the necessity of a human touch and sort of that human interaction i think that is always going to need to be there for me especially in from a financial standpoint when you're talking finances there's just there's a sense of trust when you're talking to someone that i don't think a robot or some text on a screen can replicate no matter how accurate it might be yeah i completely agree with that and i think especially yeah, like you said when it comes to finances and banking you definitely want that that human interaction you don't want to rely on you know an automated system but 
you know, I wonder, this might be a conversation for another day, but I wonder if, you know, as time goes along, as people get more used to AI, will they learn to trust AI maybe more than humans in some circumstances and think, actually, I'd rather have an automated bot that gets the right things done. That might be the way we move. You never know. But maybe, as I said, that could be a discussion for another day. That is definitely a very big talking point. But yeah, why don't we go to your article next? Yeah, absolutely. So as I said earlier, ClearScore is calling for change um, because the UK lender market is contracting and basically could be letting down anyone seen as a high-risk customer. And basically, the UK lender market for these high-risk individuals has contracted by around 34% since 2019. Um, while unsecured loans from unregulated lenders have risen significantly, uh, according to a new white paper from ClearScore, which is a financial services marketplace. And lending market contractions appeared even steeper for UK customers with the lowest credit scores, who were considered subprime, uh, who saw a 76% decline in the number of loans offered to them since 2019. And this sharp decline comes as many guarantor loans and high-cost short-term credit products were removed from the market due to a combination of regulation and commercial concerns. And, you know, the stat, the more you look into it, basically, the, the worse the stats get for these high-risk customers, you know, or high-risk, at least in the eyes of the banks and the lenders. Um, and, and since 2019, guarantor loans to subprime customers declined 99.6%. So they're basically non-existent now. While high-cost short-term credit loans to subprime customers declined 96%, so a very similar circumstance. And home credit loans to these customers fell 91%. So really, the very you know the vast, vast majority of these loans are now not available to people with the lowest credit scores. And because they are unable to access credit, they have to turn to unregulated lenders in many circumstances, you know, including buy now, pay later, and in some instances, even turn to illegal money lending. And obviously, this is going down a road that isn't going to be beneficial to people, they can fall victim to loan sharks. Um, you know, it could negatively impact the whole economy, essentially, and, and really leave many individuals in a bad spot. But in response to this, ClearScore is basically urging the UK regulators and government to support and broaden access to the regulated market. Uh, and it set out a number of recommendations to try and ensure this happens. And it hopes that you know the UK regulators and government are going to take notice of this and try and implement actions to solve this issue. So some of the recommendations include setting a clear strategy and vision for a well-functioning non-prime lending market to rebuild investor confidence and broaden access to regulated credit for a wider group of customers. And I think that's the, maybe the biggest point is they really just want to make sure that they increase the access to credit again, especially for those with the lowest credit scores, because often these are the people that are in, you know, most in need. The reason they have a poor credit score is because they didn't have access to finance to solve their problems. And it, you know, can end up going down the rabbit hole and leaving people in a situation where they need help. And it's obvious they just need finance to support them. And yet these regulated services are unable to give them the money because they're viewed as too high risk. And I think it just, you know, it just ends up being a, a circle of letting down the consumers and then them becoming high risk. And then, you know, it, they, there's never a way out. And I think solutions are needed to make sure that people do get the, the support they require financially. And, and I think it just needs, you know, there's a clear need 
that you know in the last four or five years we've seen 90 to 99 percent of these loans disappear from the market and it's leaving many people in a bad spot um but i thought one sort of interesting point was you know obviously people are turning to to buy now pay later in many cases to try and get the support they need and while I understand the concern about that because it is less regulated and you know more regulation probably is required in that area, and we've spoken about that a lot in the podcast as well. You know, I, I, I guess I just want to get your take on. You know, do you think it's a bad thing to be turning to to BMPL, or you know, is this just another case of fintechs supporting people where you know the incumbent banks and lenders haven't been really supporting them as they needed? Oh, that's a bit of a tough one, I think, because I think it's a little bit of both. I think. Well, on the one hand, again, it's something that we always bring up is sort of fintechs, their role in in society, I suppose, is to almost fill the gap where traditional financial institutions are lacking. So if there is sort of a, a, a group or, or a segment in the market that are being underserved, that is generally where fintechs can really shine and really and really prosper and sort of help the community, but also help themselves as a, as a company, their businesses, they're trying to make, they're trying to be profitable and make money and they can do and, and they have, and they have success in it. But I do really think that there has to be a big, a big change sort of from the top down in, in regards to how this accessibility to, to credit and lending really is at the moment, because it's like, I li- I really liked sort of what the, the two sort of expert comments that you included in the article were from, Andy Slay, the COO of ClearScore, and Christopher Willard, the partner at EY and the chair of EY Global Regulatory Network. And they both sort of give this idea that already vulnerable customers are being shut out of accessing credit. And I think one of the big things is, is it's like you, you sort of said in the article, is it is vulnerable people are already sort of in that situation. And when you think at how lending can help you and, and how credit can help. Admittedly, it can be very risky, which is why a lot of people are having issues with buy now, pay later, because they don't truly understand how it works. They don't understand the sort of the contract that they're getting in and, and when they have to pay stuff back, they just think it's almost free money, which of course it isn't. But I do think that while lending can be risky, and, and especially for, for more vulnerable people, it can be sort of almost too good to be true that you can afford this when you can't. Done properly and responsibly, it can be a godsend. And I think if that option isn't even there, then I think there is a, a little bit of a problem because it is just... it. I don't want to say it's, it's the rich getting richer and the poor staying poor because it isn't quite that, but it, it's on its way to that really, isn't it? Because it's just sort of saying... We only want people that are already capable of this and who are going to pay us back. It's not sort of saying we're going to help people, which, again, helping people is where I think fintechs really have an opportunity to, to flourish in the market. So in, in a sort of a long winded way of answering your question is I think fintechs are the solution and this is where they really can sort of shine and help, really. Yeah. And and in the absence of, of Polly being here, I think... Uh... It's a great time to use her favorite point, which is fintechs can service the niche that exists, although this is probably one of the bigger niches of um, people with low credit scores. And I think it just shows that there is obviously space for especially fintechs to, you know, delve into this and support people the mo- with, you know, that are the most in need. And, it, you know, 
it's something that fintech does so well all the time really and i think this is another circumstance where that is the case and hopefully we do see a bit more of you know fintechs servicing people in these um you know while bmpl does remain pretty much unregulated it is still doing a good job in servicing people most in need and if people are educated then it can be such a good tool like you said and, and, and really support people when they really most need it and i think yeah it's just the case of fintechs can help but as clear score is saying you know the incumbent banks there's surely a responsibility for them as well to support the the, the finance and access to credit for everyone whether it be you know a varying prices or very interest rates or whatever but to shut people out completely from the system and from the help that they might need it does lead to just a bigger gap and you know just over time decreases the access to credit even more and more uh, as these people are seen as higher and higher risk so i think uh, it's, it's an interesting sort of area and we need we need some real real changes i also think it's an interesting topic when you think about sort of customer loyalty and and stuff like that especially from maybe not so much in in 2023 and 24 but especially in sort of just during the pandemic and immediately post pandemic there was this big sort of surge away from traditional finance whether it be through crypto or or blockchain and digital assets nfts or if it was just going to neo banks and, and challenges i think there was a very big sort of attitude change in in the general public which was the traditional status quo isn't necessarily always the best option anymore. And I think when you're looking at it from that standpoint, incumbents saying we're not going to offer our services to this part of the market or the, these consumers for whatever reason. It's like you said, it doesn't need to be the same offering. I mean, you can charge higher interest rates if, if that was what you're worried about or you could do. There are ways around it. But just because someone's in an issue today doesn't mean that's going to be the case going forward. And sort of shutting them out seems like a very closed-minded thing to do. And and we, we've always discussed and, and mentioned in articles before that for any business to be successful, there has to be this sort of open-mindedness to grow. And I don't think you can really grow if you're saying we don't want these these customers. I think that is a it's, – it's the wrong way to, to go about it, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's a, a good mark um, to leave it, to be fair. I think obviously there's a lot of work that's needed in the area to support lending for the people most in need. But this kind of white paper and report and, and, and recommendations from ClearScore is certainly a good first step, I guess, to, to getting towards where the space needs to be. Well, uh, before we move on to what I learned this week, if you liked anything you heard today, make sure you are heading to the fintechtimes.com where you can find plenty more fintech news and insights coming out every single day and as you know every week so much news and new information crosses our desks and we learn so much at the fintech times so it's always fun to share what we have learned this week um so francis we'll start with you what did you learn this week so this week we were concluding to be fair i think by the time this goes live it, it would have already concluded but our, our february theme of paytech at the fintech times one of the topics we were looking at was what the most impactful payment solution has been in the last five years. And there isn't really one that I just want to say there's, I wanted to point out sort of all of them really. And we heard about buy now, pay later, really emerging digital wallets, tap to pay, and and even simply using your phone as, as a payment point. There were a lot of really interesting 
different viewpoints from experts across the industry about what has really been the most impactful thing. There wasn't really one big agreement. So it was a very interesting article and I urge all our listeners to go and check it out. Shameless plug. That's what we like to see, a bit of promo. Um, and moving on to what I learned this week, basically, well, sort of in the back of, you know, talking about lending, uh, one interesting sort of launch that I found out about was that American Express has launched Planet, which is a new BMPL-esque offering for the UK market, uh, basically enabling its credit card holders to pay off the purchases on their statement or a portion of their monthly bill in installments in the same way uh, that BMP offers. So that's a, just an interesting development in the world of, of lending after we've spoken about it. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us. It's been another very insightful conversation. I think we did uh, quite well. You know, we're missing Polly, but we're, we're, we're struggling through. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's been a, another very interesting podcast. Um, but we'll be back, hopefully joined by Polly again next week. I wouldn't say we were struggling through. I think it went quite well. But yeah, see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fintech Times News and Views podcast. Don't miss next week's episode and continue the conversation using hashtag TFT News and Views and follow us at the Fintech Times.